I'm going to let you in on something this morning. Some of you came in, and uh, I'm a guy that when uh, when we start church or when I kind of start any everything, I want to have my ducks in a row. Does that, anybody else like to have their ducks in a row? And uh, I've never had any ducks, but uh, if I had ducks, I would probably want them in a row. But this morning, I came in, and uh, the sound system was dead in the water, and uh, and... We came up here, we, we didn't have any microphones, we didn't have any sound coming out, and uh, if you know anything about me, uh, I helped put this sound system in, and so that was a direct reflection on me, right? And uh, what had happened is we believe that we got struck by lightning last night uh, in, in, the, in the church, we, we think we got hit by lightning and it blew something in our sound system. Uh, but, but I tell you what, the Lord provides. Will you say amen to that? And I got on my phone and I called my friend Matthew England from Sparta, Tennessee. And a lot of you know Matthew. He was the other guy that put it in. And I woke him up out of a dead sleep and I said, I have a problem. And uh, he, he tried to work us through it. We couldn't get it worked out. So I put him on the phone with Matthew Thompson, who is on sound this morning. Brother Mike Bilbrey is in Kansas. Well, he may not be in Kansas anymore, but he, was, he started in Kansas. But uh, so this morning has been wild. It's been crazy. And I'll be honest with you, I was nervous. But Matthew came over here and he got us going. So I want to give that guy some credit. He's not here with us. He went back. He's from the Sparta Church. But let's give him a round of applause and... and, and uh, I really appreciate that. He, he got us going, and uh, we'll, we'll see how this all works out the rest of the week. And I would just like to, and, and she's going to probably kill me for this, but I would like to recognize Sister Holly for the uh, wonderful job that she did last night organizing the, the Upper Cumberland Foster Closet dinner. Uh, she worked her, her little fingers to the bone, and when hers got to the bone, she worked George's to the bone, too. And so we had a, a wonderful turnout, and Sister Holly organized that. And people were asking me. I would walk by, and they would say, well, does this need to happen, or do we need to be doing this? And I said, I'm not the guy you need to ask. I said, that would be Sister Holly. And so I appreciate the work that God's people are willing to put in. Amen? If you have your Bibles this morning, let's go to the book of Mark, chapter 11. The book of Mark, chapter number 11. And I know this is going to be hard for you to believe, but I'm going to preach on the triumphal entry into Jerusalem. Mark chapter 11, the first verse, if you are able to stand, I would ask that you would stand to honor the reading of God's word. I'm glad to be in the house of God this morning, and uh, we'll see if... uh, We'll see if we can't turn some of this nervous energy into energy to preach. Amen. The Bible says this, Mark chapter 11, verse 1. And when they came nigh to Jerusalem, unto Bethpage in Bethany, at the Mount of Olives, he sendeth forth two of his disciples, and saith unto them, Go your way into the village over against you. And as soon as you be entered into it, you shall find a colt tied whereon never man sat. Loose him and bring him. And if any man say unto you, Why do ye this? Say ye that the Lord hath need of him. And straightway he will send him hither. And they went their way and found the colt tied by the door without in a place where two ways met. And they loosed him. And certain of them that stood there said unto them, What do ye, loosing the colt? And they said unto them, Even as Jesus had commanded, and they let them go. And they brought the colt to Jesus and cast their garments on him, and he sat upon him. 
And many spread their garments in the way, and others cut down branches off the trees and strawed them in the way. And they that went before and they that followed cried, saying, Hosanna, blessed is he that cometh in the name of the Lord. Blessed be the kingdom of our father David that cometh in the name of the Lord. Hosanna in the highest. Let's pray. Lord, we love you. And God, we thank you for allowing us to be in your house this morning. And God, I just pray that you would bless everyone that has put forth the effort to be here. And God, I just pray that you would bless those that are watching by by way of internet, maybe later on, whenever it may be. God, I just pray that the message would go out, God, and it would touch people. And that your word would do what it said it would do, and in that it will not return void. God, I just pray that you would use me as your vessel this morning. God, help me to preach your word in the fullness of the Spirit. And God, we praise you and we thank you. Give me clarity of mind and clarity of speech. In Jesus' name. Amen. You may be seated. I love this time of year, don't you? I'm not talking about all the thunderstorms we've been having. How many of you enjoy that? I don't. But this is one of my favorite times of year because new life springs forth. Did you know that? The trees start to bloom, and if you're anything like me, you have a scratchy throat for a couple of weeks and maybe a headache or two. But that is a sign to me that spring is on its way. But more than that, I love this time of year in that we celebrate Easter. You know, Christians, we have two major holidays in the year, right, as, as, as Christ-following believers. And the first one that, that we celebrate in the year is Easter. And, but before that, see, we need to celebrate the day that we have right now, which is Palm Sunday. I think that we do a disservice if we're not careful to the time of Easter, it feels like to me that the, the other major holiday being Christmas, and we like to celebrate that, and, and we, we build that up quite a bit, don't we? And we, we put our trees out and we think about it. And in fact, in the month of December, I preached a Christmas uh, pertaining message every single week in the month of December. I preached out of the Christmas story. And, and we make a big to-do about it, and we should, amen? We should make a big deal about Jesus coming into this world. You should say amen right there. But let me say this, if we're not careful, we do a disservice to Easter sometimes. Because if we're not careful, we don't focus on it enough. See, what I'm about to read, or what I just read, is when Jesus entered Jerusalem. Now, I want you to say this, that the, the week we're about to go into, and, it, and it's actually fairly close to, to this actual week. It's pretty close when Jesus died on the cross and, and all the things that transpired is fairly close to now. So many wonderful things happened during that week that we can't even get them all in there. And it all started with this triumphal entry into Jerusalem. I will say this, that from the day that Jesus was born, uh, and it wasn't December 25th, I hate to tell you, but when he was born to this very day that he was headed toward this day, he was headed towards Jerusalem. When he was born, he was born to die can you say amen to that and so we get here and it says that Jesus it says in verse 1 of chapter 11 it says and when they came nigh to Jerusalem Jerusalem is God's city Jerusalem is the place that, that God blessed and and it even is still to this day God's God's city in fact God thinks so much of Jerusalem that he's going to give us what in, in Revelation chapter 19 it, it, does anybody know a new Jerusalem 
And so Jesus arrives at Jerusalem, and it says that he arrives at Bethpage and Bethany. He says, even into the Mount of Olives. And as Jesus gets there, he's looking down on the, the city of Jerusalem. The Mount of Olives is, on, is, is just east of the city, and Jesus is standing up there, and he's standing right outside of Bethany. And he's looking down into Jerusalem, and Jesus knows in himself what is about to transpire. Jesus was not taken by surprise. Jesus was was not arrested and didn't see it coming. He knew exactly why he was here, and that was to die on a cross for our sins. And so Jesus came, come, uh, came nigh to Jerusalem and to Bethpage and Bethany and the Mount of Olives, and then he sent forth two of his disciples. And he sent them after something. We're just going to go this by, through this verse by verse and see what he says to us. And he says, go over to this other village. And he says, and I want you to go find a colt tied where man has never sat upon. Now that is very important. It is important. And, and this is full of symbols. This is full of symbolism. We, we use symbolism sometime in our society, but in the Jewish society in the first century like we have here, there was a lot of symbolism. And so they go and he says, go loose this colt. Now this wasn't any colt. In fact, all the other gospels except Mark tell us that it was the colt of a donkey. I'm going to take a time out right here. Is anybody in here, did anybody grow up on a farm? A few of you grew up on a farm. And did anybody ever have donkeys? Anybody ever have donkeys? Everybody knows a little bit about donkeys, right? What are, what are donkeys legendary for? Being stubborn. Would you think that donkeys might be free will Baptist animals? Did you ever think that? Or, or, or at least they're, they're God's animals, right? Because, because, you know, a lot of church folks can be stubborn. You don't have to say amen to that. But, but anyways, and so donkeys, you know, they're not the most prestigious creatures in the world. Wouldn't, would you say, would you agree with that? You know, you're not going to take a donkey to the Kentucky Derby and win, are you? Now, could you imagine that, taking a donkey anywhere and putting it up against a horse? And, and you say, which one of these creatures would you say is, is nicer to look upon? And you're going to pick the horse every single time. And I'll tell you this, that, that in these times, and, and I'm going to explain this, so just bear with me. This is, this is very unique to this culture. If you were a Roman king in this time, when you rode into town, you know what you rode in on? A white stallion. Not just any white stallion, but the biggest white stallion that you could find. The best and the finest. And when the king showed up, he was going to show up on the very best. I think of it like the president of the United States. I mean, the president of the United States, he wouldn't show up to somewhere in a Hyundai, would he? He's going to show up in that big nice Cadillac, isn't he? And so we see here that Jesus says, he says, go and he says, and get this colt. He said, it's tied up. He said, and if anybody stops you, just tell them that the Lord has need of it, that, that I need that colt. And so they do this and they send him after this. Now you think, why would Jesus, why in the world would he want a donkey instead of the horse that he was deserving of? Because Jesus had every right to ride in Jerusalem and take it over and say, this is my place. But in this time, the donkey was a sign of humility. And it was a sign of peace. And you know, a donkey is just a lowly creature. If you know much about donkeys and horses, horses are really high-spirited. And donkeys, they just kind of stand there and stare. 
I think about Eeyore, you know, from Winnie the Pooh. You know, that's what I think of when I think of a donkey. And Jesus said, hey, go get that donkey because I am going into this city not to make war and not to take over, but I'm going in peace. And so they get this donkey and they bring it out this colt. But it's also very important that it says that no man had ever sat on it, that this was a, a donkey that wasn't broke. And I believe that was to show that Jesus had dominion over every creature that had ever been. That this was Jesus' donkey and it was born for this purpose. Would you say amen to that? That, that sometimes, you, 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 I feel like I'm born to a purpose. My purpose is to preach. Cecil's purpose is to sing. Everybody in here has a purpose for God. And that donkey, that very day when, when it was tied up there, when its owners tied it out it, that morning, it had a purpose and that was to be Jesus' ride into Jerusalem. Jesus can take a hold of anything and make it wonderful. And so we move on and we see that the colt and, and what it did and, and how important it was that they had a donkey. And then we get into verse number 6 and we'll go on down and it says, And they said to them, even as Jesus had commanded, and they let them go. And they brought the colt to Jesus and cast their garments on him, and he sat upon him. So Jesus gets on this donkey, and they make a saddle out of their clothes. And then in verse 8, and, and this is where we're going to slow down a little. It says, and many spread their garments in the way. And others cut down branches off the trees and strawed them in the way. I want you to understand this just in case you don't, you don't get what's going on here. Is that this ride that Jesus is making into Jerusalem is the same ride that any conquering king would take into a city. And, and as a king would conquer a city, that his servants would go. And what they would do is, is the armies would fight and they would defeat the city and they would take care of everything, make it safe, and then the king finally would show up. And when they would do that, the servants would go, and, and I would like to liken this into something that we could think of, and they would roll out the red carpet. Everybody understand that, what I'm saying? I've never walked on a red carpet, okay? I've, I've, I'm not that prestigious and, and nothing, I'm not that important. But, you know, when, when somebody important shows up, what do you do? You roll out the red carpet. You know, that, that, that's the old cliche. And so it says that they began to cut down uh, palm branches is what it says in John. And they began to actually take their garments off and put them down in front of Jesus. Now I want you to understand and remember the donkey, he's a humble creature, right? He's not important. He's a creature of peace. And yet these people were holding Jesus in high esteem. Could you imagine that? That, that when you showed up at a place that, that somebody would take their jacket off and throw it down and say, Hey, I want you to walk on these clothes. I want you to walk on these branches. And you know why they would do that? Because they didn't think that their, their dirt and this road was even worthy for Jesus to walk on. And it wasn't. Amen? Nothing about that city was worthy for Jesus to even be there, but yet there he was riding into town to save the entire world. And they were praising him. And I got to thinking about this, and, and I, as I thought about him riding in, and we'll move on to the next verse, and, and this is the crux of the message right here. In verse 9 it says, And they that went before him, and they that followed, cried, saying, Hosanna, blessed is he that cometh in the name of the Lord. Blessed it be the kingdom of our father David, and cometh in the name of the Lord. Hosanna in the highest. Jesus had a crowd everywhere he went. 
But do you know why the crowds followed Jesus? Because of what he did for them. The reason that they followed Jesus is because that he opened their eyes. That he loosed their tongues so they could talk. And maybe if they had lame feet, Jesus healed them. And as he would do these things, these miracles, people would forsake what they did and they would follow Jesus. And right before this, and, and I'll have you, if, if you have your Bible, you can turn over there, you can keep your finger in Mark. But in John, the book of John, it tells us, in John chapter 12, another story about Jesus' entrance into Jerusalem. And in John chapter 12, in verse 17, it says, The people, therefore, that was with him when he called Lazarus out of his grave and raised him from the dead, bear record. For this caused the people also met him, for they heard that he had done this miracle. It took me a while to figure that out. I'm not the sharpest tool in the shed, but, but one day it finally dawned on me that the reason that these people were around Jesus, the reason that they were doing this is because they had just seen Jesus. Remember, Lazarus was in Bethany. If you go to John chapter 11, that's where Jesus raised Lazarus from the dead, and then 12, he makes his entrance into Jerusalem. Like I said, there's a lot going on. Is everybody seeing that? There's a lot going on in this time. And he raises Lazarus from the dead, one of his last miracles. And then he's going to go into Jerusalem. And all these people see this and they're all thinking, hey, he can do something for us. He can raise our dead. He can open our eyes. And so they began to cry, Hosanna. And we, sing, we sung that song, Cecil picked that song out so well. And, and we think we know what Hosanna means. I always thought Hosanna meant praise the Lord. Does anybody, is that what you thought Hosanna meant? Did anybody think that? I always thought, you know, Hosanna meant to lift him up, to praise him, and to, and to just exalt him and to do all this. But that actually is not what it means. The Greek word Hosanna means please save us. Did you know that? Did everybody know that? Is everybody aware of that? That's what it means. Hosanna means to save us. Please save us. And so if you read it in that context, this is what the people were saying as they put their garments down and as they spread out these, these, these palm branches. It says they went before him and cried saying, Please save us. Blessed is he that came, uh, cometh in the name of the Lord. Blessed be the kingdom of our Father. And then they go on to say, please save us in the highest form. What do they want to be saved from? They wanted to be saved from their infirmities, right? They wanted to be saved from, you know, people being saved from death like Lazarus was. They were hurting. I want you to realize this. Think about this. Uh, I, I, as much as I hate to admit this, I appreciate modern medicine. How many of you had a doctor's appointment this week? Anybody have a doctor's appointment? Several hands went up. I've got a doctor's appointment coming up. But back then, you didn't have doctor's appointments and people hurt. If you were born blind, guess what? You were going to be blind. If you were born lame, there's a chance that you're going to be a beggar. If you had problems in your life like many people do to this day and like they did back then, they lived a hard life. If they could just find a, a little bit of relief from their pain, they wanted to take it. And so they followed Jesus around and they saw this and they said, Lord, save us. Please save us from these things that are hurting us. Please help us with what's going on in our lives. And so they were begging Jesus, please help me and I think about it and 
and we have a crowd here. And this is going to be the, 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 the Sunday before the Palm Sunday. And they're saying, save us. And then you go on just a few days later in that very same crowd. What are they yelling then? Crucify him. I thought, for all those years, I thought, how in the world could those people go from praising the Lord to saying crucifying? But they weren't saying praise the Lord. They were saying, save us from what is ailing us. Save us from our pain. Save us from all these things. And Jesus went on into the city. See, the thing about it is, is these people that cry this, they, they really didn't know what they were yelling. They really didn't know what they were crying out. In their mind, they didn't have any clue that they were looking at the Son of God saying, Save us. You see where I'm going with this, right? You, you understand what's going on here. Is that Jesus actually in his mind had set his face towards Jerusalem and he had lived his ministry for those three and a half years headed to this so that he could actually do that, so he could complete this process. And yet these people were standing here and they were saying, Lord, save us. Please save us from something. And Jesus, I, I would almost think, think in his mind, he was saying, hey, I am going to save you, just not how you think. I would like to be relieved of my pain, wouldn't you? And I believe God is fully capable of that. But let me tell you, the, the, the thing that we're celebrating in this coming week is so much bigger than that. When he said, save us, he, and Jesus was saying, hey, I did come to save you. Jesus was headed to the cross, and we'll probably get to Good Friday a little bit. But Jesus, I believe he had to make a triumphal entry. In fact, it was prophesied. I'm going to read that prophecy to you real quick. It's in the book of, of Zechariah. We don't read there very much. But Zechariah chapter 9, verse 9 says this. And this is what we should be doing this morning. Rejoice greatly. O daughter of Zion, shout, O daughter of Jerusalem, behold, thy king cometh unto thee. He is just and having salvation lowly and riding upon an ass and upon a colt, the foal of an ass. And so Jesus is, is coming into Jerusalem and he says that we should rejoice. Why should we be rejoicing this week? We should have a smile on our face this morning, shouldn't we? The fact that Jesus did what he did and what he was about to do, he was about to give his life. And you know the first place that Jesus went when he got to Jerusalem, you know where he went? He went to the temple. Now remember, there's a lot of symbolism here. He's on a donkey and that represents humility. And, and he's being driven in on a road that was covered with things because he is the king of kings and the lord of lords. And, and all these things are pointing towards the king. But then he goes down to the temple. You know why Jesus went down to the temple? Because the temple was where the sacrifices had to be made. And Jesus was going to honor that. Would you say amen? Jesus, the ultimate sacrifice, goes down to the temple. And, and he does some things in the temple. He evicts the money changers. And he moves these people out. But Jesus went down there and honored God in that way. Because he came to be the ultimate sacrifice. And these people didn't get what they wanted that day. They didn't get their healing. But little did they know that they were about to be able to get a healing like they had never had. Let me tell you this this morning. That sin is as good as having the worst disease in the world. You know, some of you in here have had cancer. Some of you here have heart problems and have had all, all manner of things. 
And some of them you can get rid of and some of them you just have to live with, right? Some people are living with things this morning that are horrible and, and you don't want to think about it. Well, let me tell you, the thing that we are all born with ultimately and, and, and we have to carry all our life is that infirmity of sin. And we'll carry that our entire lives. And, and you, know, you know how much sin causes us grief? I mean, sin causes me grief in many ways. I've been dealing with family situations that are, that are awful in my family. And I've had other people's families come in and say, Hey, this is going on and, and I've got family that's causing me grief. And you know what that result from? Sin in somebody's life. Every bit of pain in this world, whether it be mental or whether it be physical or whether it be spiritual pain, it all comes from sin. And we all have to deal with it. Now the wonderful thing about it is, is that there is a cure for that sin. That there is a way to, to be saved out of your sins. Did you know this, that Jesus doesn't save you in your sin, He saves you from your sin and out of your sins. Would you say amen to that? And these people were begging him. They were saying, Lord, save us, God. Jesus, please help us. We would like to get rid of these things. And we would like you to take these things away. But Jesus said, I'm, I'm going to the cross. I'm headed in this direction. And if you'll just wait just a few days, you can receive a healing like you have never had. I'm glad that Jesus was willing to do that. I'm glad that Jesus was willing to go all the way to the cross and, and sacrifice himself for our sins. Because now I can stand here this morning and you know what I, can, I have said and I did say. I said Hosanna one day. I said, Lord, please save me. And again, I'm going to pull it right back to salvation. If you're lost this morning, you know what you can cry out. You can cry, come to this altar this morning and you can just cry out the words, Hosanna, please, Lord, save me. And, and the, the work has already been done. The sacrifice has already been made. And I would say that, that beg you to do that, to cry out and say, Hosanna, blessed is he that cometh in the name of the Lord. We ought to be excited about Jesus coming, amen? But yet we sit here and we, we, we're not smiling about it. Can everybody smile? If you're saved this morning, hold your hand up. If you're saved, look around. I want you to understand that we've got a church full of saved people, people that love the Lord and people that should say, hey, thank you, Jesus, for coming and riding on that donkey and, and, and coming in and dying on a cross for my sins. We can't imagine the pain that he went through so that we could be saved. And this morning I say, thank you, Lord. Remember, Zechariah said that we should be rejoicing, that we should be shouting, that we should be praising him. Rejoice greatly. And it says, and shout, because now we have salvation. I am saved from my sins. I, I have been redeemed. And it's all because of what Jesus did on that cross. I preached a salvation message last week, and I'm preaching one again this morning. And I'll say exactly what I did. Why would, why would everybody not want to get saved? Does anybody understand that? Can anybody explain that to me? Why would people hear about what Jesus did and how that Jesus came and, and, and didn't destroy the people and didn't take them out, but yet he came and humbled himself and died on a cross for our sin? Why would you not want to accept somebody that did that for you? I just don't get it. I don't understand it. And just to be honest with you, when I think about it, it hurts. It hurts. 
As a Christian, we should be concerned and we should, we should be, be hurting for these people that are lost and know what they need to do, know that they need to accept Jesus and know that they need to cry out that simple, simple phrase, please save us. It's simple. That's what these people were crying out. And as we celebrate Palm Sunday, I, I think this will be a good day for somebody to get saved, don't you? I think it would be a good day for somebody to cry out those simple words. I know this message has been really simple and we talked about a donkey and we talked about some, some leaves. But ultimately the whole point of this message was that these people were saying, Lord save us. And they, they, they didn't really even know that the Savior was standing right in front of them. Let me tell you this, if, if you're lost this morning, Jesus is right there with you. He's, he's willing to save you. He's as good as here with us this morning because the Holy Spirit is here with us. I mean, I know the Holy Spirit is here. He's, I brought him with me. And he can be in this service and he can be dealing with people and, and God can be dealing with somebody and Jesus is standing here saying, hey, I, I will forgive you of your sins. I will take your sins to the Father and the Father will forgive you. All you have to do is just say, please save me. Just say, Hosanna. And then next week when we have our Easter service, you know what you can do? You can celebrate that. You can celebrate with us. You don't have to sit there in conviction anymore. I don't understand it. I wish I did why people put off being saved. We have, we've had a celebration this morning and, and we've sung Hosanna and, and the Holy Spirit's here and God has moved. I would implore you. Be saved this morning. Let's pray. Father, Lord, we trust you. And Lord, I know the message has been simple, but I just presented it as you gave it to me. And God, I just pray that as it goes out, Lord, that you would speak to someone. And that God, you would help someone to see their need for you. How that you came and as such a humble person and lowered yourself so that you could die on a cross and save everyone sitting in this room save everyone in the entire world and God I just pray that you would do your work this morning and that the Holy Spirit would continue to speak to people God I pray that you would move out all hindrances and excuses and God help us to see what you would have us to see and do what you would have us to do. Lord, we praise you and we thank you. Amen. Please stand.